Call Steve Witherup. Calling Steve Witherup. Mobile. Hey. Hey, man. How's it going? It's really good. I just uh, I just picked up food for everybody, and I was at Moe's because JJ's the hot dog place was closed. And uh, what? Yeah, that I don't know why, but I drove all the way over there. So Moe's is next door, and that's what Chelsea wanted. And I walked in, and there was somebody that I I don't know if he was on drugs or like what what was happening, but he was fully reaching over the like glass display stuff right and pointing within like half of a millimeter of the food with what he wanted he was tall (laughs) and like super noodly and it was like one of the first times in a long time that i just publicly chastised someone and it was a very strange whole encounter like i told the guy dude what are you doing you know like just saying what everybody else is thinking and uh it's very odd and it didn't go great, but then the lady that was the manager <laughs> gave me a coupon for a free burrito. It's like, thank you so much. Like, like I was the hero for saying, "Hey, don't be an idiot, man." It was strange. Hey, well, that just gave me an idea. Um, <laughs> I guess if you go in, we'll plan this where we go into restaurants together. You act like the idiot. I'll step in <laughs> and act like the hero and get free coupons. I don't know that I've ever told you this, but. When I was in probably ninth grade or something, maybe eighth grade, I went to a concert and it was like the first concert that I was able to go to that was like a quote secular concert unquote, you know? And uh, so it was just normal humans, which felt so bizarre to me at the time because I was so such a church kid. Anyway, so one of my buddy's parents had given him a $50 bill for a... like merch or food or whatever. And so we had this gimmick that I came up with where, so I'm like, I don't know how old you are, like 13 or 14 or something. I would go up to the prettiest girl I could find always older than me. And I and this was my speech, my idiot friends over here, they bet. And I was holding, holding the $50 bill, bet me $50 that I wouldn't come up here and ask you to kiss me on the lips. I'm really sorry. This is the weirdest thing, but like, you know, I told him I would at least do it. So the first time I did it, it was like the prettiest person I'd ever seen. And it worked. And and I rinsed and repeated that gag probably 15 times that night. And I went to bed that night thinking I could die right now and it would be just fine. It was like the best thing I had ever done. And uh, and who? What was the concert? Who was it? It was like it was the most random assortment. It was like Dashboard Confessional and MXPX, and it was in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, MXPX. I thought that is that ska or no? Yeah, kind Am of. I, okay, not to get away from the the reason you told that story. <laughs> Right, right. Just, just brag about. I'm not sure what, but no, it was. Uh, it's in hindsight, extremely pervy and weird, 
<laughs> like there's there's not very much like redemptive qualities to it. it doesn't make me look great but uh i did it and and i will i won't go back and say i just like you know regret it for sure well hold on i just uh finishing my tweet goodbye <laughs> joseph phillips <laughs> yeah if i get if i get canceled for that yeah if if you understood that joke that's a funny joke (laughs) that i yeah right i I think it was it it was either goodbye or uh farewell or something like that yeah so stupid who cares yeah i don't know so how's quarantine been it's good we uh is this is this the eighth week or ninth week? Do we know? I honestly don't know. It's a long time. So I I mean, as it goes on, we are more and more stir crazy, kind of. But we've had so much crap happen, like not the least of which is bringing another human into the world, and so we haven't had an opportunity for it to get too stale because it's just been been something new every week. Right. What, uh, I was going to ask you this. Uh, so what, what's one thing during quarantine that you've discovered? Not that you're just sitting around doing nothing, but you know, watching Netflix or anything like that, but podcast Netflix, what's one thing you've discovered during quarantine? Well, the beauty of this whole thing is that nobody has to pretend that they're busy, you know, like nobody ever, like where do you want me to start? I have a thousand things, you know, I, I've like, <laughs> we're it's seven forty-five on Sunday night right now. Uh, we're racing until, uh, racing to the finish at, cause at nine o'clock I'm turning the recording equipment off and we're watching the, uh, the Jordan documentary, which I know both of us have been like completely obsessed with. That's, that's we- one thing that I just am completely obsessed with. We had a legitimate conversation before we started recording if it started at eight or nine and if we needed to wait, you know, so that we didn't miss that, which also it's kind of like, I don't talk a lot about sports, you know, like, or anything like that. And so probably a lot of people don't realize that how much something like that would mean to me. Like that was right in the heart of where I was growing up that mid nineties. I was an enormous uh, Bulls fan during that time. It was fantastic. And not to name drop, but I also had the privilege of working on a commercial two days with Michael Jordan a couple years ago. I which had was forgotten about that. Oh, yep. who I got, I just got fluttery feelings in my, in my stomach. Just thinking about that. I, yeah, I was actually just talking about that today to someone because it was so weird. And again, I know this sounds stupid to talk about it in this way, but I used to work in doing commercial stuff in the sound department more. Um, and you know, not, not like whoever the biggest star is, but I've been around a lot of people, like whether it's locally, like whether it's NASCAR people or ask actors or whatever, Panthers, but you know, whatever. And part of the, part of the protocol, I guess is like, you've been there before you've done it. It's like, we work around these people. So it's, you don't, act like it's a big deal or anything right i've never i literally have never seen anything like this in my life when michael jordan walked into a room and everybody just like and he didn't do anything to command this but he literally he just had a presence that 
just it was strange. I don't even know how to describe the reaction of of everybody there. But even if your back was turned, you knew something just happened and some presence walked on to the set or whatever. And it was it was weird, but it was a great experience. But there are very few human beings ever in in the history of the world that are just singular people that like there is no analog. It is just Michael Jordan. Like, <laughs> And yeah. so, you know, on the documentary, they talk about like, you know, there are remote villages where people knew the name Michael Jordan and that he played a game called basketball, you know, yeah. that, <laughs> that it's the whole world knew him. Very strange. But anyway, I cut you off. What? So yeah, other than that document, I mean, give us something that maybe isn't as obvious as a thing out in the, in the culture. I've been listening. I always am listening to podcasts. I, um, I've been listening to a lot of Krista Tippett's uh, On Being podcast. Oh, um, yeah. I was listening to her uh, interview with Ellen Davis today that was really good. I don't think I'd ever heard Ellen Davis speak before. I just read oh, her really? stuff. Yeah. So it was really cool to hear her and Krista talk because she was a student. Uh, Krista was a student of Ellen Davis's at Duke. Right. Um, no. It yes. Was, never. Sorry. You're right. Okay. Um, so that was... I loving that. I I get really obsessed with things. So like there's I'm always on some kind of a kick online with something and so uh like 8 or 10 months ago it was for <laughs> for no reason. It was just climbing. Like I've never gone rock climbing in my life and never will, but just at least I followed at least 40 professional climbers at one time on Instagram <laughs> just right. for nothing. Uh so I've always got crap like that that i'm you know getting obsessed with do you listen to conan's podcast uh i do yeah depends on who it, it depends on who he's got on there i just listened yeah. to the ricky gervais interview yesterday or yeah. two days ago i know that's kind of a, a popular one but i i do listen to that uh most weeks i guess he's all i've i i was a fan of his when he uh, came onto the scene on with uh, his initial show or whatever. So I'm just looking at my podcast now. I'm I'm always listening to something from Richard Rohr, which is of course no surprise to anybody. I quote him constantly. Um, I listen to Pete Holmes' podcast a ton. Uh, yeah, I don't really have anything that I'm binging right now. Like yeah. Chelsea and I have started a few shows and. And stuff like that. We watch. We've been watching some movies, but it's it's just been a lot of. Uh, I mean, we also had a kid two weeks ago, so we're just fitting in stuff when we can. I watched a documentary the other night about a, a magician who was absolutely amazing uh, with card tricks. I think his name's Richard Turner, and the crazy thing about it is he's one hundred percent blind. It's a pretty cool story. Is he confirmed blind? Because <laughs> one of my favorite one of my favorite conspiracy theories on the internet is that Stevie Wonder is actually not blind. <laughs> uh, well, good question. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I assume he is. I guess naive, gullible me believed him. Um, I've, but... been, I've been seeing so many uh, videos of like 
protesters that are marching right now in like state capitals and trying to get the country reopened and all that crap. And I, I've wanted to like borrow some of their really stupid things. And one of the things that they do to people <laughs> that are talking about science or talking about like just, you know, basic common sense stuff, they'll just start bang like sheep <laughs> while somebody's <laughs> talking. They'll just go bang. And it's so stupid. Like they are the dumb ones. So the, the laugh is like three layers deep, but right, <laughs> it does make me want to do it ironically. Really bad. <laughs> That's what you should have done to the guy reaching over at Moe's. Just started <laughs> bang right in his face. I, yeah, that would have been that. Would, it probably would have worked better than my uh, the method that I went with. I guess. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, what are we talking about today? Well, we, like you mentioned earlier, we we talked a little bit earlier and have talk, been talking this week. I I think that one of the things that's coming up for for me and conversations that I'm having with people in the church and just friends all over the country in general is like we've had however many weeks, let's say it's nine weeks, eight weeks to like think about what life was like before all of this happened and to kind of, I don't know, it's, it's reprioritizing things. Like it's showing us what's important, what's not. And so, I think one of the things that people are wrestling with is how church or I don't, yeah, I don't even want to say faith, how church fits into uh, life, you know, because it's been totally changed. Like I saw some really cheesy thing from, I think it was Alan Hirsch where he was talking about like, Oh, it was some, it was like a, a chess metaphor. And he's like, if you want to, if you want to get good at chess, like take away your queen right at the beginning, because uh, then you'll have to play, you'll have to play down from your most important piece or whatever. And so then, yeah. once you once you put it back up, you'll you know you'll be stronger than you were before. So he was saying like, Sunday gathering is the church's queen piece, so it's been taken away. Now how are we going to come? All that crap. So it's a little bit uh, of a cheesy metaphor for me, but it is worth saying that like gathering together is a very central part of what it has meant to be the people of God. And so take that away. I think people are like trying to figure out what church in general means to their lives. And, you know, I think there are some people that are probably thinking at least in the first few weeks, like, you know, it's actually really nice to have a, a weekend to have two mornings and a weekend that you don't have to wake up and get dressed and go do a bunch of stuff. And right. I think I think some people are in that camp, you know, where it's just a matter of uh, convenience. I think some people are wrestling deeper, like in an existential level of like, does this, was this thing valuable to me at all? Because it's been gone and yeah. or or it's changed in a fundamental way. So it do I want to reintegrate this part of my life? And then there are others, you know, in a broad spectrum on the other side that's like, I, I can't wait to get back. Um, or the church is still meaningful to me now, even in its new form. So I think it would be a good uh, a good place for us to like enter into that conversation and to give voice to some of that. And, um, and I don't know, just kind of ruminate on it and see, see where it leads us. Does that sound good to you? Or? Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And why don't you why don't you go ahead and read the the text out of Acts because that speaks that speaks directly to that. All right. Let me pull it up here. Acts chapter two, forty two through forty seven. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So this is kind of the, like, the initial early church text, right? Like, this is this is kind of the go-to, uh, you know, post-Easter, post-Ascension, post-Pentecost, and then it's like, here we are. This is the this is the foundational definition of the church beginning in Rome. Totally. Yeah, it's, it's the text that everybody points to about what you know, what comes after, after resurrection. What do we do? Yeah, and you know, when a text like this, it's for well, for one thing, it it's it's the type of of uh, passage that gives you your outline. You know what I mean? So it's like if this was preached in a little bit of a traditional sense, it's like, okay, the believers, uh, the, the, the early church, you know, devoted themselves to apostles teaching fellowship, sharing in meals, um, and prayer. And so it's like, there's it your gives four you, things. right. Um, you know, they, they eat, they eat well. That goes back to kind of what you were saying before we started recording about how much you love eat, pray, love. <laughs> remember, <laughs> what were you? I can't remember exactly what you were saying about that. They eat together. Working, they pray. Just working on <laughs> tattoo ideas for it, but right. But anyway, yeah. So there's your four points. It's like I guarantee. Okay, so I guarantee you that. Um, okay, so like there's a pastoral intern or whatever, and then he finally gets his time to to preach once his first initial sermon he's just out of college or whatever i think it's been uh documented and proven that 90 percent of those messages are is the armor of god or, you know it's like <laughs> right, here's right, right. your here's your outline but this is kind of one of those like okay so what's the church all about and then but in the outline is given and you know i don't i mean and there's nothing wrong with that but i don't think it's that clear it's not like okay here's the four here's the exact outline of what a church looks like but but the initial thing that i would i would say so like maybe the foundational thing that we could uh grab out of this is just simply that like a post easter okay the the spirit had been giving had been given um and the implication is that the totality of communal life has been altered like right. whatever Whatever Easter meant, whatever Pentecost meant, it had it had implications into every aspect of this life. And it clearly, even if they didn't get everything right, like 
don't jump to, you know, don't even use the word socialism. Don't even jump to like everyone, you know, sharing everything equally all the time for all of eternity. Like before you even go there, then like what is clear is this spirit filled community offered a clear alternative to what was being given through the Roman government. And it was attractive and it was appealing because, as the, the end of it says, the Lord added to their number daily. And, and there was a shape to it. Like it, it, it was not amorphous. Like it, and I know that the, the thing that we have to say is that, like, you know, that we're not the first people to say, like, wait, you, we need to get back to the early church, brother. Like it's obviously we'll go ahead and say that it wasn't a perfect scenario or whatever, but I, I think that the, the, the point stands that post Easter post resurrection, whatever comes from that, like it is shaped like something it, there is something tangible and specific there. Yeah. And nothing was excluded from it. I mean, you know, it, they may have like what we read in Acts two, maybe in this specific form wasn't meant to last forever you know but but what they gave us like i said it was it was a clear example that all of life was affected by what had just occurred and and it was a beautiful alternative to what had previously been given well and it's like i said it's concrete it's specific and it's it's very much like it is it happens in the world and it happens in the context of human relationships. And it's, it is a concrete and specific thing. And so I think a lot of, uh, a lot of the pastors that I, you know, that I know, or that I've seen kind of making commentary about this, a lot of people are taking the route of like leaning into this whole pandemic thing and saying, we're, we're no less, uh, the church right now. And, we could stay like this forever and keep doing this the way that we're doing it. And we'll still continue to be the church. And like them leaning into that is trying to say like, let's squeeze the most that we can out of this scenario. But it, it almost, and I, I think Kenneth Tanner is the one that I saw point this out. Maybe first it's got this real like Gnostic ring to it. You know, like all of Christian faith happens in our minds and so you can sit in your living room or you can go mow the yard and listen to a sermon and watch, you know, people leading worship. And that is what it means to be a part of the church. And of course that mirrors what their expression is on Sundays as well in some ways. But like there's something missing there because if we're, if we're taking the text seriously, like the breaking of bread together and being in each other's homes and, 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 that's the context of devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, and like they're sharing all things in common and giving to the poor and all of these things. Um, those are all really, really tangible things. Those are not kind of esoteric, gnostic kind of just ideas that we adhere to. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, and I know, and we speak to that a lot. I know that that's like it, it's one of the recurring themes that you know, we preach on and we talk about in these types of forms is like the, the real world, genuine, concrete expression of, of, of this, you know? Um, but, uh, but it's true. Like it's, it's, um, 
it's not a community here. This post-Easter community is not one that just simply thinks differently. It's not just that, um, you know, we now have a new theology or we now have a, a new way of understanding um, God so that we can continue to live in the same way, but we now have a clear understanding that when we are asked on the last day or the judgment or whatever, we can say, yes, we believe in X, Y, and Z. And not that, again, that that's not a part of it, but, but it, it is about how do you structure, how do you extract, how do you structure your existence? Um, and not just as an individual, but, but, but communally. And so like, you know, they may, let's be honest, they may have overreacted in the way that they sold all of their possessions and held everything in common. I'm not saying that's a bad idea, but but I'm also not denying the fact that that may have been an overreaction. But if it was an overreaction or whatever, not something that we are supposed to adhere to uh, in an exact way, the the foundation or the inspiration for that remains. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, if we go through this list or whatever, all of those elements should remain as inspirational items that give birth to the way in which we communally do church. We should find our own ways of contextualizing those in our, you know, our city and our time and all of that. Right. And but they should be radically challenging to us though because a lot of times when you know when people say well what does that mean for today you know and we got to put that into our context a lot of times what they're saying is well let's water it, it down work. yeah and you don't understand how the wor- world works i you know i'm not gonna i'm I, how can i give away this it just doesn't make sense in the context that i i live in but it, i it it radically altered the way their life was expressed. And so even if it's not in the exact form, how, how does this truth radically alter the way in which we express our communal existence? How do we engage with each other in, when it comes to food, when it comes to possessions, when it comes to thinking and teaching, when it comes to gathering, when it comes to, um, structuring, uh, you know, the how, how we do politics. I mean, you know, you go through it, economics, politics, all of this alters the way that we pursue those things. Yeah. And the thing that's striking to me, and it might just be the last couple of days that we've had is that like this, this whole pandemic and being home a lot has really, uh, it's brought everything into like a very earthy sort of reality like it's it everything is more immediate i guess is a better way of saying it um like our our direct left and right neighbors have never been more of an important thing for us like we just bought a house we actually have a little small sliver of land and that grass and this soil and all of that has never meant more to me than it does right now and uh we you know we've just had maggie so there's Sarah Smith set up a meal train and uh, you know, every night or every other night we've been getting people that have been bringing meals and some of it's uh, takeout from our favorite places. And some of it was uh, the Durst sent uh, our favorite pizza over. And then last night um, 
somebody in the church, uh, Gene, like, I cannot stress to you how much food she brought over that she cooked. Like it was, <laughs> I, I'm going to say what it is because it matters. Uh, it was ribs and potato salad and mac and cheese and baked beans and uh, cornbread and uh, banana pudding. I'm like, and so much of each thing. And I, I, I text her afterwards. I'm like, you had to have cooked for eight hours and this had to have cost $150. Like what's wrong with you? Uh, and so, and then we were playing in our backyard today and there's a Hispanic family that lives on our right. Then, you know, we don't share a language. So we just kind of wave at each other and through broken English and Spanish, we communicate and, but we haven't talked a ton. And the lady brought over, uh, a bowl of soup and, a and a hot dog and, uh, put it in their nicest China and like brought it over to us. And it was the kindest, sweetest thing. And it like it, that kind of thing matters. And then yesterday, um, we drove up or whatever day that was within the last couple of days, we drove up to, uh, a farm way out in Mount Pleasant or somewhere and picked strawberries. And it was our first family outing. And then last night we had, you know, we just bought so much, so many strawberries and I sat in my kitchen last night for like an hour cutting strawberries to uh, to like freeze them so they wouldn't go bad. And I just had to like, because we picked them, and I had the experience of like, this came from the earth. Like this came from a plant. And I know that that's like a very common uh, thing that you think about because you grow crap on your actual property. But it was a very... I don't know. Maybe it was just because it was super late and I was sleep deprived, but um, the immediacy of all of this, like being in close relationship or proximity to like the source of things and the fact that these immediate relationships around us matter, it it's bringing me into a place of like, it, in, in light of this conversation, I know it's a lot of rambling, but like it, all of that, it has to happen at that level or not at all. Because if it doesn't happen at that level, it's worthless to me. So how does so how does church fit into to that truth then, or that uh, that idea, or that discovery, or that feeling? Like because because what you just described doesn't occur if, if we're honest. Like like here's what we need to do: we need to be open and vulnerable enough to give honest evaluations of ourselves, of how, how we're like, what is church? Like, what are we doing? And because I think, well, I have no doubt of its value, right? but but in order to get to the fullest expression of its value, we have to be willing to ask the hardest questions concerning the way that we are doing it. And so like when we read these texts and, and when we, you know, hear things like you just described, then like take that back to the Sunday gathering. And it's like, um, is what we read in acts that is being expressed in the way in which you just described is the Sunday gathering, which we now call church. Is that part of this? Mm -hmm. And yeah. And in my completely emphatic answer is yes. But if yes, how? Right. 
Um, because, well, I don't know the I don't know the stats or whatever as far as like the number or percent or whatever people that actually attend attend church um, on a weekly basis. You know, spent, well in Western culture, but the the numbers is probably not that high to some degree. Um, and you know, the first thing I I would say is that like just simply first, it's not something to give up on because this is the way I would, I would put it. And I'm not, I'm not speaking to this from a anthropological viewpoint or as an anthropological expert or whatever, but here's my assumption that this whole idea of not gathering around a, a spiritual exercise I mean, not take it out of even the, you know, just the purely Christian context, but the idea of not gathering to communally express spirituality is a brand new experiment in the context of human history. So, like, I I know this sounds like a weird way to say it, but but in my mind, even if even if church isn't doing what it's supposed to or, or whatever, it's very arrogant in the context of human history to arrive at a point that says for the first time we no longer need to gather around spiritual expressions. Yes, and and, and do it in a communal setting as if, like, I, I was thinking about this before. I, I was making tea earlier and thinking about this. It's it's as, as strange to say that you can, because people will be like, well, my context of faith then is I I go and walk in the woods and I go whatever. And like, of course, go do that. And of course, God can can meet you there and does meet you there. And in so many ways, it, it might even feel more profound than being in a church. But to to say that to say that it only happens there or and and the 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 key part of that is I go on these walks and I think about God or I think about spirituality or I, I I pray or whatever is is as foreign as like or as strange as I'm a basketball player but I I go sometimes by a lake and I just think about basketball or something <laughs> like right <laughs> as if that as if that's similar it like I don't think that this I don't think Christian faith can be articulated outside of being in a communal setting I don't know how it makes sense. Right. And, and not that you are saying this, but of course go on that walk and and think, you know, yes, think about those things. And, um, and I, yes, please, please don't hear me think that, or hear me say that, uh, like being in a church service and listening to worship music and that sort of thing, like that kind of attractional thing or whatever is, what I'm talking about. I, I'm talking about the much bigger thing than that because yes, this walking, acts expression. Yes. Because walking in the woods and, 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 and praying is, you know, in so many ways, light years more important or healthy or vital than just attending church services. Like I, I, I think if we're not talking about this bigger thing, then you're very much correct. Yeah. And the other thing that then another thing that kind of fills that void is like, okay, individual, individual spiritual paths, which is 
again, part of it, you know, go, you know, breathe, meditate, do all, you know, walk in the woods, all of those things. But then the other thing that is, um, I know that people try to fill the, you know, the, the church void with is, is more of like, um, you know, shared, shared experience. And so like, uh, I, I get my sense of community through, what doing yoga together or whatever it is, making pottery together, you know, like these types of, I found my tribe or I found my community, um, in, in shared experiences. And again, yes, a vital part to your life, but the, you know, the unique thing about this church experience is the same thing that is the unique experience of all of human history, these, these, you know, whether it's hunter gatherers coming together around fires and, and sharing these spiritual experiences is that it's an eclectic group coming together. So like, you know, you can go and be around people that think the same way you do and act the same way you do and share the same interests, whether you play in basketball or, you know, in a club or a, whatever it is, a knitting club or whatever it is, but that's not, that, that doesn't, scratch that same itch or fill that same space as the eclectic group coming together to share the experience together, the spiritual experience of worship together. I, yeah, I, I could not agree more with that. I think that that kind of uh, create your own spiritual path kind of a thing that just strangely always looks exactly like you has the same interests, the same kind of whatever it, it's not the same thing as being the people of God and and being in relationship with a super diverse group. And, you know, I also want to just put a caveat in here. This is not like you and I giving our uh, persuasive essay for why when this is over you should or have to come <laughs> to church. Like, right. I, I talked to somebody this week um, that ha- had a really bad, church experience and several of them, but the last one, especially. And, and I, I told her, uh, you, and she had a lot of guilt about this, but but I told her, you probably should take a little bit of time away from church. Like, right. (laughs) Not forever, but you, you don't need to feel guilt about not being around something that's extremely triggering to you or that does not feel beneficial to you in any way. Uh, Ultimately, I think she knows that because of what I do for a living and like uh, my vocational calling or whatever, uh, that I think that she should at some point be a part of a community that can hold her up and that's healthy and that kind of goes in complete different directions than what she just experienced. But I just don't want people to think that we're, this is just two pastors that are trying, you know what I'm saying? No, of course. I, and, um, and it's not, yes. And it's not an exhaustive conversation on church, you know, so there's so many things unsaid and so many things, so many paths unexplored as far as this goes. It's just, it's just, um, in a sense, a willingness to take an honest evaluation of, of a thing that I know to be ultimately, a much needed part of the way that communities grow, but perhaps isn't always playing the role that it needs to be. So 
you you said earlier uh like we want we want to be critical of ourselves even like we want to 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 look at what we specifically are doing at neighborhood church which not to interrupt you but i mean let's just say people have said this too that one of the most unique things about the christian faith is that the prophets in the old testament exist because it is an absurd for a faith to include them because it is a critique of their own way of 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 living so it's like it's part of the unique things about about christianity is the willingness to open yourself to a critique uh, a self critique of of how it is that you're organizing and structuring and and going about your life yes so critique critique an institution uh, from within it, but that that critique then anything that's faithful and anything that is healthy, the critique would have to start with you specifically. You know, like it has to start inside of you because if all you're ever doing is critiquing everything that's outside of you, you just you're oblivious to the fact that it's your problem that you're that is the thing that is unseen. You you are completely uh, if you're unwilling to critique yourself, if you're not, if you're unwilling to to see all of your own flaws and and faults and how you are, um, that you're implicated in all of this, then you'll you'll just you'll completely live in dysfunction. And so, I think that for us, I think a good conversation for us to have, maybe to close this thing out, is like, what are ways that we have missed what we set out to do, or that like this is not yet matching what we see that it could be. Well, I mean, I mean, let's, yeah, let's, and let's talk very specific. I mean, in, you know, this, the neighborhood church community, because there'd be a couple of things that I would bring up for us to, to think through, you know, one is like this Aztec says they divert themselves or divert, they devote themselves to, you know, the apostles teaching. Um, but there's this group of them coming together. And last week we talked a lot about the, the malt, you know, the, the importance of bringing your voice to the community as a way to give a fuller expression of, uh, salvation or resurrection. And, but that becomes a very hard thing to do in a Sunday morning. So like, I believe in preaching, I believe in teaching, and I believe in like a pastoral voice, but it's like, how do you bring in the eclectic voices into the community or, or how do you give voice to the eclectic um, expressions or understandings of, of certain texts? Because like if you truly were existing in a community or a tribe, then that would be happening all the time as you – gathered food together, as you um, gathered water together, as you made clothes together, you know, all of those things, life was happening together. And so the, so the, the eclectic voices were able to be expressed um, in a way that, that also allowed for times of the, the teacher to exercise his or her gift. But but in our, the current context or culture, it's like when you don't genuinely do life together, how does that happen in an hour or an hour and a half in a Sunday morning? 
I mean, the short answer is that it can't. And so that if it's relegated to that, then you're, you're starting from a, a place that you'll never, you know, you'll never reach what you're going for because it, I don't, I don't know that there's an expression of a Sunday morning gathering that can include that um, mm-hmm. fully. I mean, I think there's, there's things that we can, can try for, but I, I think some of this is what you just said, the making clothes together and fires together. I, I think if, if, if life is not being shared communally outside of the Sunday gathering, then the Sunday gathering means a whole lot less than otherwise. Right. Yeah. But yet we find ourselves in this current culture, in this current context that, you know, as much as we love the phrase doing life together, I mean, let's just admit that's not happening, you know. Um, And so when we find ourselves in that reality, then how do we speak to the value of the Sunday morning gathering? Because I think that what you just said is so vital and so true because, you know, when you ask yourself that hard question, the answer is not that it has no value, but the answer should be, or the question should lead you to like, at least consider, are we lessening its value based on the way that the rest of our life is structured? Yeah, you're right. It doesn't mean nothing, but it does create a scenario where it really does make more sense to just listen to podcasts because like just listen to some worship music. If it, you know, is meaningful to you or whatever, listen to the podcast and then go about your life. You you don't need to sit in a room with other people to listen to it live. You know, it's, uh, it it might increase the, uh, it's, effectiveness 15% to hear other people respond to something or to hear people sing or to be in the same room while people are singing or whatever. Um, but ultimately it's, it's, it's very similar, but if you're in relationship with one another and you share community together and you really do as much as we possibly can have all things in common, not we're the same, but we, we share our lives together. Then the table that we all walk up to takes on a totally new meaning. It becomes a family meal, you know? And so I think that's the, that's one of the things that I've been wrestling with during this whole quarantine is like, how do we, cause we have people that live in Huntersville. We have people that are, you know, live in South Charlotte and that's an hour drive from each other or whatever. Uh, and we're not a huge church. Um, and I think a lot of churches will t- will try to say, okay, well, then small groups are our answer to that. We're going to do these weekly small groups, and we're going to do a Bible study together, or we're going to whatever. Um, but those often don't really reflect any kind of real true relationship. It's kind of forced or whatever, at least in my experience. So I don't think the answer is that. I think it has to be something that's much deeper and, and, and much more, uh, much tougher to get to than that. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a reality that we all face. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I live in Mount Pleasant, right. you know, um, and so I think that there's two parallel paths that the church can take. One is doing 
the best that it can in the context that it finds itself. And so, for example, you know, you find these larger churches that are are doing wonderful work um, in in like we mentioned several weeks ago in like feeding communities and being a a place that the community can lean on um, for at sure. any time, but, but especially in times like, like these. And so even if, even if they don't all know each other, you can't necessarily call it a true community or whatever it is in, it is more so than what the majority of, of the rest of the culture is experiencing when it comes to community. And it is a place where good work is flowing out of. The other parallel path is is communities coming together to um, maybe try to do a little bit more what that initial acts community was doing, like I said at the beginning, was actually maybe kind of be a an example of an alternative life expression. Like, is the possibility of of community living still a possibility? And and if and if you believe that to be true, it's like it's it's not something that you're going to just find by bouncing from church to church. It's something that you are going to have to dig into and help create. So like as you and I are sitting here talking about like, um, you know, maybe where has has neighborhood maybe fallen short of like an initial um, goal or desire or. or or whatever, like giving an honest evaluation. It's like the, what is needed is if, if you want something that looks more like a, a grassroots communal expression of faith, like you see in Acts, you're not going to find that without being a part of its creation. Yes. That's such a, that's such a fantastic point. And it's going to cost you something. It's not. It's not. It's going to cost you a lot. Yes. It's not something that you get to reap the benefit from, and yes. not and not invest into and it uh you know it and and what you're not saying is is that we should start a commune i mean i, I think you really want right. to but but like <laughs> richard Rohr was talking about that last night in the podcast uh that i listened to or finished and he was saying like uh almost all communal living situations don't work because it, it it attracts people that want to do things perfectly and do it right and and they're idealist and it never it never ends up panning out because even if they do it right, it's still done with the wrong motives and it's gonna it's gonna putter out or the the second generation of some kind of communal living situation almost always dies off because the initial spark of real and true uh, intent to try to do good ends up dying off and it just becomes adherence to a, a rule, you know, or an order or something. And, yeah. uh, and, and it's never done, it's never done with heart. And so I think what we're talking about is like, it is not exactly that, but is, it is not super far from that either. It's like, how, how can we do something that's radically different? And that is, um, that affects all of our lives and it costs us something. And it means that we have to, you know, like truly bear each other's burdens. And that means being a part of each other's lives to know those things. Because I think we try to like force fit that kind of thing into like a small group setting. Like I mentioned, it's like, Hey, let's go around and let's tell everybody what we're struggling with. And it just feels, (laughs) it feels so awkward and forced. And like, 
So, so at best, uh, people clam up and don't say anything. And then at worst, somebody just like is super excited excited to just lay it all out there. And you're like, I don't know your first name. Like woof, go to counseling. Uh, so, but if that kind of, if those kind of revelations happen in the context of like actually true, uh, actually truly being known, then, you know, then it's like the most beautiful thing in the world. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, so I I think, you know, we've, we've had this conversation and people there, there's an, I think there's a, an interest in, or a want desire for, for that kind of thing to happen. And it starts by, uh, seemingly starts by like, okay, well, how do you create a culture that that happens in? Or how do you lead into that kind of thing? And I think the answer just frankly is, is I don't, I don't exactly know. <laughs> like, right. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I think it has to be the act of, like an act of God. I think it has to be like God and me and you and all of us together have to want something collectively and then just struggle like hell to try to figure out how to like, see it happen over the course of five years or something. Yeah. And yes, well, and that's a good point too, because that's whatever it is, it's not going to happen in the course of a year. And it's like, you know, and you get these people again, not to, not to knock whatever. I mean, but like you get these people that bounce around a lot and it's like, well, if I didn't find it there, well, if I didn't find it there. And it's like, you know, a little more than three weeks to build a true, <laughs> Uh, communal expression and and you know but ultimately you know to your point of i just don't know it's like that doesn't mean you give up on it 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 means that like i believe i believe deeply in the foundation of what we read in acts 2 like here's the thing if nothing else the resurrection this life of christ this christ giving of the spirit this this hope and truth of resurrection, death to life, new expressions, uh, you know, all things new, all of that, like it is a foundation worth building on. And so it's like that leads to throughout all of human history coming together and 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 teaching, like exploring thoughts and and seeking wisdom and and uh, giving perspectives and, and deeply exploring the deepest questions of existence and coming together around song and music and artistic expression yes. where, where words just simply aren't enough. And so we dance together, we sing together, we play drums together, we, we do all of these things together. We, we come around campfires and we tell stories like we don't know how to just simply speak in um, clear cut truths, but we tell stories as a way to to hopefully give articulation to some of these deep spiritual realities that we know to be true. But but also we live life together in a way that, like you said earlier, finds concrete form like it, it matters. This community resurrection meant that they did food differently right you know it means that they did business differently that they did possessions differently that they did all of those things just radically differently like you know 
like, okay, we are the people who have been given this spirit. How are we going to grow food? How are we going to give ourselves back into this communal life that is a benefit, not just to myself? How do I become not just someone seeking to extract from others, but how do I give back into a way that brings fruitfulness into the communal and world expression? Whew. Good Lord, yes. Every every word of that is, I think, extremely important. And uh, the thing that we were getting at a second ago was, and it, it, it plays into uh, uh, something I heard Pete Rollins say one time, is that the meaning of all of this is found in the struggle for it. Like, it's not it's not in reaching something because I don't think that there is anything necessarily to be reached. I think meaning is found in retrospect. So we look back and say, okay, God was doing this and this was, this meant so much. And this led to this, which is now this beautiful thing, but it only ever makes sense when you look back at it. And so the meaning I think is found in the struggle for it. And so if we have an ideal that we're shooting for, which is like true communal living and true, uh, truly being known and to, worship together and to see a new expression that like brings goodness into the world and is not just a kind of head trip that makes us feel good and helps us sleep better at night, but that actually like turns the wheel of progress in the world. And like we, we get to be a part of that. I think, I think it's only ever going to matter at all, or it's only ever going to, uh, happen if we, if, or the meaning of all of it is not is only going to be found in the struggle for it. And so I don't think there's anything that we're necessarily shooting for, like in the sense that we're going to ever arrive at it. I don't think in five years, if we all sold everything, like it said, you know, the people would sell plots of land and lay it at the apostles' feet. Like, I don't think if we all made a kibbutz and went and lived way out in Mount Pleasant with Steve and all had houses on a single piece of property and we sold everything and we, we, every dollar that we made, we, we put into a central pot and we gave every penny above what was just vitally needed to the poor. I don't think we would ever, ever, ever reach a point where we say we did it. I, I just don't think it'll happen. But I do think that as we like really struggle to figure out what it means for us, like for neighborhood church and for every person that makes it up, I think in that struggle, that's where the juice is. That's where the meaning is. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. When when I did a series on Ecclesiastes and the lack of meaning, like I think that that was a big thing that we we do miss. It's like we don't we don't shoot for something, do the work, and then on the other side of that, expect this detached thing that we call meaning. Right. You know, it's like you know, the way that Kohelet like detached meaning from the things he was doing, I think was one of the the key problems to keep him from finding it. So to your point then, yes, it's like, okay, we we think there is this more meaningful way of expressing life, not just as rugged individuals, but but communally. Um and and the meaning is found in the way in which we pursue it. And yes. so um, yeah. So like, as you, whatever it looks like, as, as we, we take a look at the way, again, that, that, that we, we grow and consume food, the way that we participate in the market economy, the way that, you, that we do all of these things, the way that we share 
and and provide opportunity for the marginalized. All of these things, it's like in that, yes, there isn't this goal, ultimate goal that we're falling short of, but it's like the pursuit in and of itself is this valuable thing that is worth suffering through. It it really is. And, you know, it, there's so many stories of complete despair in uh, the children of people that are ultra wealthy that have never had to struggle for anything because there's no, there's no carrot to run after. There's nothing, you know, it's just, it's pure having. And so if that's what it is, then it, it does lead to despair. And so if, if you never are willing to give voice to this, doesn't feel like it's enough. Uh, it, this feels like it's less than this feels like we, we haven't yet figured out what it means to be the church. Um, then, then you'll never be able to find the meaning in shooting for something and going after something that's hard and that, you know, and it's not something that can happen. You and I can't make this happen. You and I can't say, you know, let's create a vision statement and values and let's, let's, let's brand ourselves as such and let's push towards it. Like it has to happen like in the people. It has to happen communally. It has to happen in all of us that we all give voice to our collective angst, that we all give voice to our, you know, our loneliness that is uh, sanctified as what's normal in the culture. We have to give voice to the fact that we don't feel connected to each other or the earth. We don't feel like we're actually making a, a tangible difference in our world. And when you do that, then you can struggle towards something that's beautiful and, you know, will will be the product or the, it, it will be the thing that will take our whole lives and we'll find meaning in the struggle for it. And again, you know, as, as the text in Acts says, you know, that everyone sold their possessions and brought them like, you know, it's not the model necessarily, but the truth is that whether you had a thousand acres or, you know, one extra coat, you were called to participate and sacrifice for the creation of something more beautiful than what Rome was giving them. Yes. Every, everyone, everyone's sacrifice and everyone's participation is vital. Like neighborhood is nothing outside of the exact people that make it up. You know, it's not our branding. It's not a website. It's not, uh, what you and I think up and, 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 you know, pitch this thing as it is exactly who makes the the body up. And so if, if somebody's not participating, it's less than what it's, what it needs to be. And it goes so much farther beyond just simple tithing, which as a reminder, you should be doing. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it, it, it's, it's giving, it's giving of our lives, you know, and, and yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, but also acknowledging that the path to percip- uh, but the path to participation is isn't always easy, not in the sense of it's hard and requires sacrifice, but even just in the sense that it's hard because I, I don't know how to do it in the way that our current culture is is structured because like for me, honestly, like, you know, like we mentioned, you know, I live in, I live in Mount Pleasant. I live, I have four boys. I, you know, we, I mean, not to just give the list of the things that that I do, but then it's like, 
that what does it mean then for me to quote unquote sell my possessions and give myself more fully to a a an alternative expression in the form of neighborhood that is up and against what the imperial power or Rome or whatever <laughs> is, is, is offering like the path. So it's not just a matter of like deciding to journey that path of participation, but it's like, man, but, but what does that even, what does that even look like? Not to ask the easy, you know, middle school philosophical question, but like, really, what, do, what does that even look like sometimes? That's a very hard, hard thing to, to answer. Um, because well, our world isn't it just isn't structured that way anymore you well, know and i think that we have an opportunity though as a as a culture and it's exactly what i was about to say to like we've kind of had a factory reset kind of thing as a culture mm-hmm. like we're w- whatever we make of the world after this is whatever we want the world to be and i realize that it you know there's a very uh, objective sense that like you've got to make money and pay your bills and you've got to like take care of your kids and all that sort of thing. But, you know, I, I think it looks like breaking strict quarantine to stop at your house the other day and see your farm and hang out. And like, I think it's structuring your life in such a way that you prioritize relationships with people and not, uh, not in the really cheap and shallow ways that we're used to, but in like the like unhurried sit on somebody's front porch for four hours kind of relationship building. And it's, it is exactly against like I I realized today I was calling some people on my way on my way back from picking up food and I, I realized the feeling that I get sometimes when I see a phone call come in and I like it's not an eye roll, it's just like a deep sigh of oh, this is gonna take a while or this is <clears throat> you know, and I, I used to not be that way. Uh I used to, you know, I I haven't always felt that way when I used to have that feeling of like, you remember when you were a kid, somebody called your landline phone and your mom said, Hey, such and such is on the phone for you. You're like, heck yes. Uh, <laughs> like I think, I think some of it is and the the point of me saying, I was thinking about that when I was calling people is I, th- I thought about people seeing my number come up and go, Oh boy, it's going to be a lot. Specifically Andy Smith, who doesn't ever answer his phone. Um, but like, I think, I think it changed, like it, it, it's a, uh, I think it's a call to change the way we think about the world and relationships and people and the way that we, uh, schedule our days and that we, the kinds of, uh, times that we put in our, our life for that sort of thing. It's very much, a, it's very much, a steering or, uh, what's the the phrase the turning of a large ship or whatever you know it's but it takes slow um small steps i mean but it's it's worth it's worth pursuing like there i i know it's such an easy thing to just simply say from a distance but there is just a better way to be doing this you know yeah like it there and it, it it at least has to start with that realization and that understanding because that opens yourself up to alternative expressions of this. It's it it's not a pressure to implement acts the acts church into your life in a step by step or a one for one basis, but you know just to simply 
I mean, think about it. Like what was at the bottom of, of their inspiration was just this realization through the resurrection of Christ that what I just said, there's a better way of doing this. Like we don't have to live our lives this way. There's, there, there's a better way and there's a more beautiful way. And there's a, a way that expresses and gives more good and, and, and truth to the world. And it's a it's a starting point and it's a it's a thing that pushes life forward and i think a good place to start in all of this is sorry did i cut you off and you were about to say something finish something no just the most profound thought of the day but no go ahead <laughs> <laughs> it's probably because i'm listening to ellen davis finishing that interview right now as we're talking no as before <laughs> <laughs> Every time you start talking, I just immediately push play. Uh, uh, I, I think, you know, depending on who you are, you eat between two and four times a day. Like there are these built in moments. And like, I don't think, I don't think restaurants are going to be a thing for a while. And so I think a really good place to start is to prioritize sharing meals like at a, mm-hmm. at a family table and, and doing so in an unhurried way, you know, putting your phones down and just being with people. Uh, it's, it's a very normal context for relationships to happen in. And so having people over and cooking meals and, and, and just sharing life in that way, it doesn't have to be like, what brother, what's on your heart today? Or like, what's the Lord, you know, none of that stuff. It's just like being in normal relationships is, I, I, Roar was talking about this yesterday. Uh, saying that like the the deeper you get into this the more uh the more secular it sounds and so he says mm-hmm. i get i get called uh a heretic or i get called like a too secular or whatever and he goes what it does is is it sounds secular because it has it like Wendell Berry says that there's there's nothing uh there's no secular or there's no sacred and profane it's uh sacred or desecrated you know mm-hmm. and so you just, I don't know, it. Something like a common meal is not a common thing if it's sacred. You know, it like, it is a holy place where God meets us, and I think that I think that stuff like that is more important. You know, and you don't go into it by like I don't know. You don't have to try to like have some woo woo experience at a meal, but you realize that there is deep meaning that's found in it as, as you do it, you know, week after week after week. And, um, it's not about well, it's, f- forcing anything. It's just about opening yourself to that sort of thing. Right. And you know, what you just described for the majority of, of people, I think has just simply been left untried, you know, like, for sure. I mean, how, so, okay. If, if, if we create the scenario, it's like of, spending a, a day of gathering ingredients, cooking together in a way that takes the majority of the day leading to the shared meal at night. Sharing you recipes. Know, like, right. Like how many people have actually participated in that? And, you know, and but then going back, here's a callback, going back to stuff that you talked about earlier. That's not what you just described is, is a tremendous thing but it is not the um, substitute for the Sunday gathering. No. But what happens? But what happens is, to your point earlier, is 
maybe what people are experiencing on Sunday is a less than version or expression of that is brought to a more fuller expression because of the way that the rest of the week is is lived. So yes. it creates not only an opportunity for a sacred experience around around shared experiences that are meals and and you know things like that, but it also creates opportunity for for the community coming together for what that Sunday gathering then adds to the overall life expression. Hallelujah. It's 8.59, and speaking of sacred traditions or sacred (laughs) moments, it's time for My Church at 9 p.m. with the Michael Jordan documentary. Someone put ESPN on, please. (laughs) (laughs) And and I I am not kidding. I will hang up no matter what in the next 30 seconds. Uh, I think all all this is good. Yeah, and you can just add a prayer before you put it out. No, I'll I'll do it now. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you're with us and in us. Thank you that, uh, that we find you as we struggle for you. And like just the desire to want more of you pleases you or the desire to actually the desire to desire you, even if we don't like even that pleases you. And so thank you that you, um, help us move into new ways of being in the world. Thank you that you, uh, you have something for us on the other side of this. We love you so much. And uh, it's nine o'clock in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Talk to you later. See ya. Bye.